Welcome to the Apple for the Teacher podcast, the true crime podcast that features the good apples and the bad apples within the school system. My name is Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. So join me as I present school stories that are tragic, shocking, unbelievable and outright bizarre. Hello everyone, we are now up to episode 17. Thank you for joining me today. I really can't believe I'm up to episode 17. I didn't know if anybody would listen, but it seems that many of you are, so thank you so much. I'm planning to do a special episode for episode 20 and also a special Christmas episode, so stay tuned for those. But for now, my lips are sealed. So let's do a shout out to the new Facebook group members. We have Celia Spellfrew Geiring. Amanda Lurkey Mortensen, Evie Tatum, and Jade Brooks. So, welcome to you, ladies. I also have another five star iTunes review from Claire Isabel, who said, Interesting and enjoyable. I'm really enjoying hearing these stories that I have never heard of before now. The podcast is well researched and presented. Thank you, Claire. I do try to find stories that people wouldn't have heard of before because sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast and I read the description and I know about the particular true crime case and I sort of think, well, I already know that one. There's no point listening again. So the fact that they are ones that you haven't heard before is what I'm aiming for in the podcast. So I'm glad that that's coming across. So today, what country are we going to go and visit? Well, I thought we would go to the Philippines. The first president of the Philippines was Ferdinand Marcos, and although he has been dead now for almost two decades, his body still hasn't been buried. Government officials are still arguing about where he should be buried. Hmm. In rural areas, women give birth at home and bury the placenta under their house. However, This is against the law in larger cities. In the Philippines, it's illegal to get a divorce, but couples can get an annulment. In 1992, there was a Pepsi promotion which would give away 1 million pesos to the person who found a bottle cap with the number 349 printed on it. But due to a technical glitch, they accidentally printed 800,000 caps. There was outrage and even death threats to the Pepsi executives. The case went to court and the company had to pay 200 million pesos. So, hello if you are from the Philippines. Here's a preview of the stories today. Story one is the bad apple and is called Going, Going, Gone. The students went on a school hike. But where was Teresa? The second story is The Good Apple and is called Bear Hug. The two men gave each other a bear hug. Why? Let's start with the first story. Now, it's going to be one of those stories where I'm going to ask you to put on your amateur detective hat. So, are you ready for some sleuthing? For this first story, we go to Tennessee in the US in 1976. A group of 40 high school students boarded a school bus for a field trip to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. 
which is the most visited park in the US. What was surprising about this trip, from my perspective as a teacher, is that the students had not known about the trip. It had been organised by their horticulture teacher, and they only found out where they were going after they boarded the bus. No permission from parents, no preparation in terms of clothing or food. Besides the teacher, there was only one other adult, the bus driver. It took them two hours to arrive at the park at around midday. They parked in the parking lot near the highest peak in the park, called Clingman's Dome. There was a 45-foot-high lookout tower at the top of the dome, popular with visitors as it allowed for a great view of the park. They planned to hike one of the trails to a spot called Andrew's Bold. The trail was 1.8 miles long, one way. Their horticulture teacher instructed the students to observe the trees and plants and then return back the same way and meet back at the car park no later than 3.30 in the afternoon. One of those students on the hike was 16-year-old Teresa Gibson, known to her family and friends as Trenny. The group of 40 students split up into smaller groups and began their hiking trip. Trenny was in a group with a friend named Robert, and they had shared the bus ride together to the park. It was October, the weather was chilly, and Trenny didn't have warm clothes as the trip had not been planned. Robert gave her his jacket. During the hike, Trenny joined different groups, and at some point lost contact with Robert, as he said he went off chasing after a bear. It was around 3pm in the afternoon and the students were on their way back to the parking lot. The group stopped to rest but Trenny wanted to keep going. There were other groups up ahead and some behind as well. One of Trenny's friends saw her up ahead bending over as if she was looking at something. She then seemed to turn right off the trail. The friend looked away for a short time but when she looked back she couldn't see Trenny anymore. One of the students, David, said, I checked the area where Trenny was last seen. There was no trail leading off. There was a very rough, small stream, brush and trees. I yelled, but there was no answer. They thought maybe she had gone for a toilet break or had caught up with the group ahead. Forty minutes later, all the students met up again at the parking lot, but Trenny was not there. The teacher and another student walked back along the trail. There was no sign of her. The park ranger was alerted and he did a check of the trail, but was not able to locate her either. Her disappearance was reported and a large-scale search party was put into motion. The rest of the students returned to school, but the teacher stayed to assist in the search. Trenny's parents were informed and they arrived at the scene at around midnight. However, due to the rain, the foggy and windy weather, the search was called off at three o'clock in the morning. The next day, a full-scale search was put into place. They also had tracker dogs who were given some of Trenny's clothing that her parents had brought with them. There were also helicopters, but they couldn't start the search until late afternoon due to the foggy conditions. In the general area where Trenny was last seen, they found broken ferns and also three cigarette butts, 
and a partially opened can of beer. When questioned later, the students denied that it had belonged to any of them. The dogs were able to pick up her scent, which led them along a trail that ended at a road some 1.6 miles from where the school bus had been parked. Eight more cigarette butts would be found in this location, and they were the same brand as the other butts. Despite an extensive search, Trenny was never found, and she remains a missing person some 40 years later. Over time, there has been much speculation about what may have happened to her, and now I will look at the various theories. The first theory I would like to personally dispel is that she had been taken by Bigfoot. But if this is something you believe, then who am I to judge? The location where the scent ended led to the theory that she had voluntarily made her way to the road and was picked up by someone waiting for her. But remember, she hadn't known about the trip, so this theory seems to be implausible. And since there were no mobile phones, she couldn't have contacted someone to make arrangements to meet her at the park. Her parents also said she had left many of her valuables at home, such as her purse and money. She had also never been to the park before, so she wouldn't have been able to meet someone at a pre-planned location. Another theory was that she had gotten lost due to the rainy and foggy conditions and eventually made her way to the road, where she may have been picked up and abducted. The Klingman's Dome Tower became another place of interest, as her scent was found there by the dogs. She could have been taken by and abducted to this spot, as it had a small space or a cavity under the walkway that led to the tower. The theory was that she may have been hidden there until the abductor could get her out of the park. I will put a photo of the dome on social media. It's quite interesting as it looks like a UFO. Trenny's parents vigorously discounted the theory that she had voluntarily planned her own disappearance. They had a happy family unit and there was nothing to indicate that she had any reason to want to leave. But they did have another theory, their own. There had been an incident where a person broke into their house and was shot in the foot by Trenny's mother. They actually knew the person. His name was Kelvin Bowman, and he was a student at Trenny's school. He allegedly had an interest in Trenny and wanted to date her. He was arrested and spent time in a correctional institution. He made threats that he would harm them and Trenny when he got out. He was eventually released and returned to Trenny's school, and therefore was free at the time she disappeared. There had been reports that he had followed behind the bus on the day of the trip, but this wasn't able to be substantiated. The school principal also vouched that he had been at school that day, thus giving him an alibi. About two years after Tony's disappearance, he went to jail for raping a woman. Now, let's go back to Robert, who had sat on the bus with her. He was a year older than her and a friend of Trenny's brother. He had a car, and they had gone places together. You will remember that he had walked with her on the trail and given her his jacket. They had apparently separated because he had gone off after a bear. Hmm, who does that? Was this just an alibi? Had he been interested in her, but she didn't reciprocate 
Had they smoked and drank together? And when she refused his advances, did he kill her? Later, some students reported they saw Trenny's favourite comb in Robert's car. She was very fond of that comb and often kept it in her jeans pocket. However, it doesn't appear that this rumour was ever investigated. While the investigation was continuing, and when Trenny's parents were away on the search, Robert paid a visit to Trenny's house and spoke to her younger sister. He was reported as saying this, If Kelvin Bowman has Trenny, he will kill her. If he doesn't have her, I think she might have run off with some horny hitchhiker. Now to me, that sounds like a very strange thing to say. It seems like he's trying to make her look bad, as if she was a tramp. She may have rejected him and he killed her. Then he tries to deflect attention away from himself. And the other red flag for me is the chasing the bear comment. Although bears could be found in the area, I would certainly be heading in the opposite direction if I saw one. It just seems to be a very poor excuse. And remember, he could have hid her in that cavity near the tower and come back and at another time with his own car to remove her. Although this too does sound unlikely, as the area was teeming with searches. He would have gone back to school with the rest of the students and then had to return later in his own car. It seems unlikely that he could have done this and remained undetected. So to me, the likely scenario is that she got lost in the bad conditions, made her way to the road and was abducted from there. Or she may have had an argument with someone, maybe Robert, and went off by herself, then getting lost. I experienced a similar situation in high school. We went to a park and when it was time to leave, one of the students couldn't be accounted for. The teachers searched but could not find her. She eventually came back by herself and it was discovered that she had an argument with her friends. We were all late getting back to school and the teachers were not impressed. So Trenny may have done the same, but then she met with foul play. Now let's look at how the other students responded after her disappearance. One of her friends said, I have never, or will I ever, along with others, forget that very long day. Once back at school, one teacher hadn't heard about Trenny's disappearance, and a student recalled she was calling the roll in our class and reached Trenny's name. No answer. I will never forget the obvious despair evident on Mrs. Hollow's face when we informed her of Trenny's disappearance. Another friend recalled seeing Trenny's empty chair in class. It was very surreal to look over and see the desk almost represented the fact that she had been there and was she ever going to come back? It was a ghostly thing. There was no way of knowing it would be filled again or not. Now this friend had her own theory about what happened to her. My feeling is Somebody was waiting for her in the park. There was a parking lot very close. I've always felt like Trenny planned it, and that was her way out. Now, I want to go back to the cigarette butts that were found. One of her friends said she and Trenny had often spent time smoking together at school. The school actually had a smoking pit, which of course is unheard of today. But back in the 1970s, it wasn't uncommon. So perhaps she had been smoking and drinking with someone, possibly with Robert. Another piece of interesting information 
was that the first reaction of the students who were on the hike to her disappearance was that she had taken off with someone. Now, these people supposedly knew her well, and they obviously thought that she would be capable of doing something like this, despite the protests from her parents. Because, as we know, parents want to think the best of their children, but it's often true that at the end of the day, parents don't really know what their kids are getting up to. Now, the strangeness of this case is further complicated by the fact that other people have also disappeared from the same park. So now I'm going to go into those stories. Back in 1969, a family went camping in the same national park that they had visited many times before. They met up with another family who also had children. Dennis was six years old. His older brother Douglas and the other children decided to play a prank on the adults. They planned to sneak up behind them and surprise them. The group split up and when all the others reappeared, Dennis was not with them. The authorities were alerted and the search for Dennis went on for weeks. But sadly, he was never found. Another case involved a 58-year-old woman named Thelma Melton, who was hiking with friends. She had been a frequent visitor to the park, so she knew the area well. Like Trenny, she also walked up ahead of her friends and was never seen again. So are these three cases coincidence? As you can imagine, theories had surfaced that there was an abductor at work. The three disappearances took place over a 12-year period. So what do you think of this theory? For me, this is highly unlikely. National parks are visited by large numbers of people. We often hear of people getting lost and rescue teams called in. People have fallen to their deaths in many cases. There are a number of parks and mountains in my area which are popular to hike and climb. And people getting lost or hurt does happen. So, in my amateur sleuth opinion, these three cases were not as a result of foul play, but unfortunate circumstances of people getting lost or falling to their deaths. Now, I'm going to discuss the story from my teacher's viewpoint. This matter of going on an unplanned trip is so bizarre, but I guess it was the 1970s, so they didn't have stringent procedures like we do today. There was only one teacher and the bus driver, who no doubt didn't go on the hike, so it was just one teacher with 40 students. As I said in the last episode, we need to have a ratio of one adult for 15 students. If I had planned such a trip, I would also bring along parents and assign a parent to each group. Of course, I'm talking about primary school students, but I'm sure High school trips of this kind today would be better organised and supervised. Trini's parents did actually bring a lawsuit against the school for negligence, but it was dismissed. A lawsuit such as this in this day and age, I'm sure, would have a totally different outcome. As teachers, all trips are approved by administration, who organise the parental consent forms and the buses. I would not be able to organise a bus myself for a trip. It really shows how times have changed. We have detailed paperwork that needs to be completed and risk management strategies have to be in place. And although trips are exciting for students, it's a different matter for teachers as we are accountable for our students. So we need to do frequent headcounts and make sure students return home safely. So what's your theory about this case? 
I'd love to hear what you think on social media. Now, let's have a break with a few podcast recommendations from Morning Cup of Murder and Nordic True Crime. Ever wonder what terrible thing happened on this day in history? My name is Karina Bemisterfer, writer and host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily short-form true crime podcast that tells you all about rampage killers, sudden spree murders, famous serial killers, and new cases to explore each and every day. Morning Cup of Murder is the perfect addition to your morning routine. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and find the show on social media at Morning Cup of Murder. And remember, stay safe. Norway reeling from twin attacks. First, a suspected car bomb. Quick was known as Sweden's worst serial killer. Quick was convicted. Kim Vahl disappeared after boarding Madsen's submarine in Copenhagen Harbor last August. Terrorism, miscarriages of justice, serial killers, disappearances. From the known to the lesser known, we give you true crime from the dark and frozen regions of Northern Europe. This is Nordic True Crime. Subscribe to our bi-weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or on your podcast provider. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Nordic True Crime. Firstly, I need to let you know that this next story is about suicide. The story took place at a high school in Portland, Oregon, in the US just this year. As the school had security cameras, the incident was captured on video. I will place the video on social media for you to look at. It's truly amazing. A male student at the high school came to school with a shotgun, intending to kill himself. One student recounted what happened. Quote, the student comes in with a shotgun or rifle. He doesn't even hide it. He just has it out. Students were terrified and began running out of the classroom. The girl continued, I didn't know if I was going to get shot or not. I was running crisscross. Some days prior to this, the student had confided in some students that he was suicidal. The students informed the administration, who sent the school's security guard to the classroom. Keenan Lowe was one of the school's three security guards, but also the school's sports coach. When he arrived at the classroom, the student he was looking for wasn't there. But within 20 seconds of arriving, the security guard recalls that the door opened and he saw the student with the gun, who was only feet away from him. He pointed the gun at himself and pulled the trigger, but the gun didn't go off. He said, quote, pretty crazy situation. In a fraction of a second, I analysed everything really fast, saw the look in his face, looked at his eyes, looked at the gun. I realised it was a real gun, and then my instincts just took over. He lunged for the gun and managed to get it away from the student. 
then called another teacher for assistance. The rest of the students had fled from the room. The student then broke down. He recalled, then it was just me and that student. It was a real emotional time. It was emotional for him. It was emotional for me. In that time, I felt compassion for him. A lot of times, especially when you're young, you don't realize what you're doing until it's over. I let him know that I was there for him. I told him I was there to save him. I was there for a reason, and this is a life worth living. The video shows the two of them embracing. The teacher is holding the gun, and another teacher comes and takes the gun. It's really chilling. The school was put into lockdown, and the police arrived and took the student into custody. He pled guilty to two charges, one count of unlawful possession of a firearm in a public building and one count of unlawful possession of a loaded firearm in public. He was sentenced to three years probation and will receive immediate mental health and substance abuse treatment. It was revealed by the student's lawyer that he had planned to commit suicide at school so that his mother wouldn't have to discover his body. The lawyer said he is deeply remorseful for the pain that he has caused his family, his friends and the community. He has a lot of people who care about him despite what he might have thought. After the ordeal, students at the school had this to say. A classmate recalled that he hadn't really been himself lately. He had been telling students that he owned a gun. One of his friends said he went through a pretty rough breakup that kind of got to him. And then this downward spiral of depression and his mentality got a bit darker. We tried to call him and we didn't get anything and nobody had seen him. And so when we finally got word that it was him, it was heartbreaking. After this situation, if I see signs of depression or hostility, I should probably take it up with the counsellor. So I think I've learned something from this. He's a decent guy deep down, even through the messiness. Keenan had this to say about what happened. It wasn't in me to beat him up or hold him down or hurt him. Even though it was seconds after this crazy thing happened, I felt his vibe. I felt how scared he was. I felt it all. I'll never forget that conversation I had with him. I told him I cared about him, that people cared about him. He was really surprised. He said, you do? And I said, yep, I just met you and I care about you. It's going to be okay. As was to be expected, Keenan was hailed as a hero. He responded to this by saying, I don't know if hero is the right word, but the universe works in mysterious ways and I was meant to be in that classroom and I was meant to stop a tragedy. When confronted with the test the universe presented me with, I didn't see any other choice but to act. Thank God I passed. I've spent the last 24 hours being more appreciative of my family and realising we have a serious problem. Well, thank goodness that this incident ended okay. When I first saw the video, I was really expecting the worst. I mean, someone has a gun in their hand. You would only expect the situation to go one way. But then you see the two people hugging each other. It really made me emotional. So have a look at the video yourself. So it's almost time for December, which means almost time for Christmas. I would love to do an episode and have listeners send me a voice message of how 
different countries say Merry Christmas in their language. These will be played in the Christmas episode, so I'd love to hear from you. Just click on an episode and there's a link that says send voice message. So before we go, I'd like to preview episode 18. It's called Fallen Angel and Snatch and Grab. It came to be known as one of the most brutal crimes in Japan, but even more shocking was who committed the crime. The teachers were involved in a life or death struggle. So to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote. Education is the kindling of a flame, not the filling of a vessel. Bye for now, and remember to be a good apple.